deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is Wednesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're previewing the game on Sunday, one day early before Thanksgiving. We'll look at the matchups position by position. We'll give you the three keys to this game, how Miami can win the game, and an intro into the Panthers. We'll also pick the Week 12 games here on this Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins So it's a preview day and another quick reminder that this is the last episode of the week. We're going to take the next two days off for the holiday, and I hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving ahead of a big game on Sunday, a big one that basically is an elimination game between Miami and Carolina in many ways. We'll recap the game on Sunday night, but today we're previewing Dolphins versus Panthers as Miami kicks off a three-game homestand here with a week in between for the bye week, so a nice month-long stretch here at the beautiful Hard Rock Stadium. It's year two of the Matt Rule era in Carolina. He signed a seven-year contract two years ago to leave the college game where he turned around two programs that were not having a bunch of success before his arrival, both in Temple and Baylor. And in both of his first two years in Carolina, they started out strong, then hit some bumps in the road. Last year, never recovered, but this year, they got some new life with a midseason signing of a familiar face and the former and now new starting quarterback, Cam Newton. And that's kind of the crux of this rebuild, right? The quarterback position. We obviously won't see how it shakes out with Justin Fields or even Mac Jones for another few years, but Carolina chose to send some high picks for Sam Darnold in lieu of selecting one of those two rookie quarterbacks in favor of cornerback J.C. Horn, who was the best cornerback in the draft. So not arguing that fact, but the quarterback position pretty important, and they ultimately wind up bringing back the same QB they had when Rule took over, And Cam Newton, to me, that is fascinating. And really, their last playoff appearance was the last time Cam had one of his big seasons in 2017. His passing numbers didn't pop that year. It was just an 80.7 passer rating, but his rushing numbers, 754 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. That 2018 season, you might recall, he fought through some injuries and had a better passing rater, better passer rating, hey, easy for me to say, and better passing numbers all around, but he did rush for two fewer TDs and 300 fewer yards. Get through it, Travis. As the Panthers regress from 11-5 to 7-9, Cam then misses all but two games in 2019, and the trap door falls out to 5-11, and and that's the end of the Ron Rivera era. And in year one of Matt Rule, they go 5-11, and and I think they were even 3-3 three and three at one point last year, so the back end of the season kind of fell away, got away from them there in year one under Matt Rule. And the philosophy for that team was to load up on the defense. Every draft pick they made in that first campaign was on defense, all of them. And boy, did it work. They feature one of the league's best defenses, and they would be even stronger if they had their first round pick on the field in J.C. Horn because he looked awesome in limited action. But they also made some solid picks on offense this year, so that roster is beginning to round out for them. And I think this will be a team to contend with 
in a year or two, provided they do find that long-term answer at quarterback, which obviously is the toughest thing to do in the league. But they have their guy for right now in 32-year-old Cam Newton, and who knows? That's not that old. Maybe he is the long-term answer there. Hell, he's still obviously an effective runner, which they have always been a true has always been a true differentiator in his MVP type of career where he's posted up some gaudy numbers year in and year out, going back to his time with the Panthers the first time around. And that's where we kick this thing off here, the Carolina quarterback versus the Miami safeties, as we do every week on the preview podcast here. So the Dolphins got a chance to see Cam twice last year, which I believe is somewhat beneficial this year, even if it is in a different system with a different jersey on. Josh Boyer talked about this in his Tuesday presser about how with a quarterback like Lamar, There are some similarities in that quarterback run game, but I think we can all acknowledge they are different styles of runners, like Lamar's going to run by you where Cam can drop that shoulder and run right through you. And in a game where I think most games are decided by red zone success and those four-point swings, aside from turnovers and takeaways and all that fun stuff, the quarterback run game in that area is such a challenge to contend with. This guy has 72 rushing touchdowns, 60 of those with the Carolina Panthers, 12 last year for the Patriots, not bad. And we saw what that backfield was able to accomplish in those real special years, whether it was Stewart and Williams with uh, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, or even today with Christian McCaffrey. On Sunday, Cam rushed 10 times for 46 yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for a goal-to-go touchdown the week prior and threw for one in that area of the field in a game where he scored two touchdowns as a special package option behind starter P.J. Walker. Now, I think the games last year show you how Miami was able to adjust to what Cam does so well because the Patriots had a lot of success on the ground in game one with that quarterback lead, quarterback power, tough to stop. And he goes 15 for 19 in that game for 155 and uh, rushes for 75 yards on 15 carries on the ground and two touchdowns in that game. Then in game number two down here in Miami, 17 for 27 for 209 and just 9 for 38 and no touchdowns on the ground. So extra hats in the box, a man in every single gap, and bringing the gang tackling to the party, those are your keys. Cam was 1 for 1 on 20-plus yard throws last week for 27 yards, went right down the middle. It was a Christian McCaffrey touchdown uh, reception, actually. And he also completed 5 of 6 in that 10 to 19-yard range for 67 yards. So he had plenty of success attacking the second and third levels of that Washington defense. But against the Blitz, he was 6 for 9 for 45 yards with no touchdowns and no picks, 15 for 18 with 144 and two touchdowns when he was not blitzed. So Miami blitzes a lot. Maybe that's the answer here for Cam Newton. He was just three for six with 19 yards when he was under pressure from that undermanned Washington defense. And when you blitz, you have to stay gap sound and also clog up his escape routes because if you don't get him in the first wave, you know he's going to find different lanes to get through. Continue to bring that pressure through multiple gaps and where the safeties come into play here. I mean, that's kind of been the, the script the last few weeks, right? A fun script to follow as these two guys and Javon Holland and Brandon Jones continue to provide pressure and contribute as pass rushers in the run game and in coverage as well. And that translates to the running back position too because... We'll go to that next here, the Dolphins linebackers versus the Panthers running backs and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this guy does it all. He he motioned out on Sunday and caught that touchdown pass on a seam route, which is basically like a tight end or a a big slot receiver type of, of play where he gets over the top of the linebacker and makes a nice catch off the top of the helmet. It was a great throw from Cam, but I think it speaks to McCaffrey's abilities to really play any position on the offense. You have to locate number 22 every single snap. The only thing that was... 
basically holding him back from MVP type of production every single year has been his availability. 47 touchdowns in 51 career games. He averages a buck 15 of yards per, uh, from scrimmage per game in those 51 games. He played just three games last year. He's played six this year, so he's missed some more. But when he's played 16 games in 2018, 2019, 1,965 yards from scrimmage and 13 touchdowns, then 2,392 yards from scrimmage and 19 total touchdowns. He is a problem. He's elusive. He's decisive. He's got tremendous hands. He can hit home runs. He's tough enough to grind out yards inside. I don't know how many other ways I can say it. You've got to find number 22, and you have to tackle. He's averaging 3.04 yards after initial contact. He was at 4.73 on Sunday against Washington, and that's just as a rusher, which is 12th in the NFL among backs who have played over 100 snaps this season. His 14 runs of 10-plus yards are 15th most in the NFL with just 90 rush attempts. Nobody else is in the top 16. Nobody else that's in the top 16, rather, has fewer than 112 rush attempts. So he hits big plays at a high frequency. You have to find a way to limit that. And the Patriots actually had the most success against him this year, just 3.7 yards per rush and no touchdowns. And they did it by crowding the line of scrimmage and challenging the Panthers to beat them through the air with that strong secondary. And again, that was Sam Darnold, not Cam Newton. So a different story there, but that is still the idea. In the passing game, he caught four for 54 in that game, and it was against linebackers and safety. So you look at some of the speed Miami has between Holland and Jones and Baker at those positions, and the idea of double teams. That's what I would do. That's what New England did when he flexed out. Double him, bracket him. I'll be curious to find out if Miami does the same. And also don't forget about Amir Abdullah or Chuba Hubbard. Both those guys have home run hitting ability too. So do not let those guys hit you for big plays because if they do, that's when you're in some real trouble. And if you can do that, then you need to win the one-on-one matchups at our next position preview, Carolina receivers and tight ends versus the Miami cornerbacks. And again, there's plenty more speed here to go around and it largely funnels through two guys aside from the tailbacks, at least. DJ Moore has 99 targets this season. Robbie Anderson has 61. And the third highest targeted receiver is Terrence Marshall Jr. at 25. And then the highest targeted tight end is Ian Thomas with 19 targets. So DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey are your top three guys by a long shot there. And Moore and Anderson are both speed merchants. But Moore is just a pure, polished, clean route runner across the board. He does it all sure-handed. 751 yards and four touchdowns this season with a 62.6% catch rate and 10.7 A dot. So he gets vertical and he catches a lot of balls. And that sounds like a good draw for me for Xavier Howard because of the physical nature of his game, the reaction ability, and again, the high volume of targets creates more interception opportunities for X, right? We talked about that earlier this pod or earlier this season. If they want to throw to a guy, regardless of who you put on him, put X over there. If you get 10 targets, you, you have a good chance of getting a pick. So do that, but also disrupt his timing. And if you can really match up on more one-on-one, that could change the entire game for Miami if they can wipe him out with Xavier Howard. And especially to disrupt that timing with a new quarterback at the position, that could cause some some chemistry issues when they probably don't have that down just yet. Robbie Anderson leads the team with 11.2 yards of average depth of target. That's typically been the type of guy that Byron has matched up on. But again, if guys don't travel in the defense and as those receivers move about the formation, then you're going to see everybody at one point or another. But I think that Anderson on Jones is a good matchup because Jones has great recovery speed and he can gamble a little bit on the short stuff and then get back into phase and recover deep if you have to. And the Panthers 
you know, don't really have a primary slot guy. That's where McCaffrey and Ian Thomas or even Tommy Tremble operate a lot of the time. So I think that you can get some jams and chips with brackets on McCaffrey when he does go out into those condensed splits or those nasty splits in tight. But the rest of that interior portion of the field, if you can lock up those guys with brackets and doubles and zone, and you get your two best corners on their receivers out wide, I think that's maybe the formula here, or at least one of the possible options. But I'll be curious to see what Javon Holland's role is this week, because there's a lot of areas they could use him in. And since McCaffrey doubles as a receiver, maybe it's more of a three-safety game where you get Eric Rowe more of a full-time workload in addition to Jones and Holland playing full-time. And what he does best is match up on the tight end while providing a sure tackling safety inside against the Panthers' run game. So I'll, I'll take a look at Eric Rowe this week and think maybe he plays some more snaps. But Carolina's deployment on offense this year also makes them challenging. 11 personnel, 62% of the time. That's one receiver, or rather one running back, one tight end, and three receivers. Uh, 12 personnel is 19%, one back, two tight ends. And then 21 personnel is 9%, primarily McCaffrey and Hubbard. And then 22 personnel, which is two backs, two tight ends, for 7% with McCaffrey, Hubbard, Thomas, and Tremble. And I'll invite that package, because that means only DJ Moore stays on the field, but it's a good package still. But the Dolphins will have to keep their substitutions on point because they love to make those changes, but they can also get to those different types of formations and looks because of the flexibility of so many players they have. So like really, if McCaffrey and Hubbard are both in the game at the same time, you might think, well, we have to get linebackers out there because two running backs means a running play. And you take your defensive backs off the field, then all of a sudden they flex McCaffrey out. And he's one of the most dangerous slot receivers in the game. And all of a sudden you're against 11 personnel in your base defense, which means linebacker on McCaffrey. And you can't have that. So it's a challenge. Robbie Anderson's catching just 45.9% of his passes this season. We know he wants to go deep and get the ball on the perimeter up wide or up, up top for those deep balls. And that and the sidelines are the two primary options you want to look for against cover zero. And the out routes are okay. We'll take those. He's got three touchdowns this year. Usually they come from deep. He has a 57 yarder, but also a 17 yarder and a seven yarder this season. But I think he's the guy on this offense. You can go one-on-one against. Also the best way to slow down all that speed is to get after it in the pass rush game, which brings us to our final matchup on this side of the football, the Carolina offensive line versus the Miami defensive line. And Carolina has allowed the second most pressures in the National Football League this year with 144. And Cameron Irving is usually one of the starting tacklers, but he's on IR. He's accounted for 21 pressures. And at right tackle, Taylor Moten has allowed 21 pressures, but no sacks and just two QB hits. John Miller is a guy you might remember from the Buffalo days. He is also on the starting lineup. He has 20 pressures allowed and four sacks on the interior. Center Matt Paradis is also down on IR. He had allowed 16 pressures this year, but his replacement, Pat Elfline, has allowed just five pressures this season, so he's been solid. And Michael Jordan has 14 pressures allowed, not that Michael Jordan, three sacks and three hits, while Dennis Daly, 14 pressures, two sacks, and four hits. This offensive line's banged up. Deontay Brown, their big rookie, also on IR designated for return. We'll see if he comes back this week or if not, but he is a massive, massive man at 350 pounds. So whoever the quarterback is, they've been under duress this season. That's where Miami really needs to win on defense here. If you can take out Anderson and Thomas with one-on-one and you can commit more attention to Moore and McCaffrey and get after their quarterback, then you should have some success. But how do those numbers translate to what Miami does well? 
Well, Moten pitched a shutout last week going against Chase Young's backup in Washington. The best game from an opponent against Moten was Charles Amenahu from the Texans, and he's one of those long, heavy-handed guys like the two guys we have here in Phillips and Ogba. And something to note, he's their best lineman at right tackle. He'll see plenty of Ogba, but hopefully Emmanuel can have the same success Amenahu did in that game. Dennis Daly is the left tackle, so maybe some Phillips and Van Ginkle over there, but he was hit for four pressures against the Patriots three weeks ago. He's played three different positions this season and actually was injured in the game last week against Washington, so maybe they have to go even deeper into their tackle depth and go to rookie Brady Christensen from BYU, and some Panthers fans on Twitter that I follow have not He's been struggling so far this season in his rookie year when he does get a chance. He did play 41 snaps in that game and did not allow a pressure on 26 pass blocking snaps, but he was removed from the lineup earlier in the season when he was hit for 12 pressures in back-to-back games against the Eagles and Giants. That's an area Miami needs to exploit here to help the defensive backs on the back end and limit the Panthers from being two-dimensional on offense. If we can find a way to take out the passing game, I would feel really good about this matchup for Miami. Michael Jordan was called up. Again, not that Michael Jordan, guys. It's a different guy, even though the same Carolina Blue. He was called upon in week six. He allowed no pressures against Arizona, but it's been three, three, two, two, and four pressures allowed in the other games. The four last week against Jonathan Allen and the boys up in D.C. I'm looking for similar success there from Sealer because I think he kind of mimics what Allen does well and Raekwon Davis with the size and strength and power but then also obviously Wilkins and Butler and all the strengths they have. Elfline has not allowed a pressure in his last three games which includes 81 pass protection reps so the tackle positions I think for on both sides of the football here are going to be key in this game for the Dolphins and Panthers and we now turn the page over to the Dolphins offense and start with the Dolphins quarterback versus the Carolina safeties and these Panthers safeties well they're legit much like much of their defense, especially Jeremy Chin. He's kind of your Christian McCaffrey on the other side and that you got to figure out where the heck he is every single snap. He's basically Derwin James, guys. He's really, really good. He plays all over the formation and that helps the Panthers create the one-on-one matchups with their rush game, the way Holland and Jones can do that here. And Tua does have the fourth lowest sack per dropback rate in the NFL. And think about that with the way things have gone this year. What an upshot that is for him. And he will have to be active in that area again in this game because they bring the pressure. We'll talk about that here more in just one second. They bring the extra rusher on blitzes, 32.1% of their defensive snaps. That's the sixth highest rate in the National Football League. Tua has played two of the other top 10 blitz rate teams in the NFL. And he had two of his best games against Jacksonville and Baltimore earlier this season. He's starting games really sound. He's taken Miami down for opening drive touchdowns and four of six starts this season. And in the fifth game against Buffalo, took him down for a field goal. So you want to see that continue. But hopefully this offense can keep that momentum going into the second quarter where the offense has struggled before they pick it back up in that second half. The splits between quarters one, three, and four, and even overtime for Tua compared to his second quarter splits this year, They're completely different. I want to see that change this week, hopefully. And Kirk Cousins had the best day against them with 373 passing yards, but the next highest was Zach Wilson for the Jets on opening day, and it was mostly garbage time, where he threw for just 207, and that's it as far as teams that have thrown for over 200 yards on this Panthers defense. It is tough, tough sledding. Second defense against the pass are Carolina. What a weird sentence that was, Yoda. 
Jeremy Chin has 35 pass rush reps this season, and Justin Burris, their other full-time safety, has just five. So again, it's Chin down around the line of scrimmage. you got to pick him up. A big week for the backs in pass protection. Miles Gaskin, a big week for him. Chin has eight pressures on those 35 pass rush attempts. He also has 28 run stops, which are second most on the team. Number 21, you got to find that guy. Dolphins receivers and tight ends versus the Carolina cornerbacks out wide. No J.C. Horn, but they did add an all-pro in Stephon Gilmore, and he already has two picks on just 50 coverage snaps this season. That's kind of what he do. He was brought along slowly, played a season-high 19 coverage snaps last week and 37 total reps, doubled his previous high for Carolina, so you'll probably see plenty of him. I'll be curious to see if he travels. You have to imagine they'd want him on Waddle, best on best there, but we'll see. Dante Jackson plays a lot on this defense and has had a really good year on the outside. He has a pair of INTs and teams will test him a lot because of the other pieces they have in that secondary. And he's held up well for the most part, allowed only one catch in back-to-back games two and three weeks ago against the Patriots and Cardinals. Then Washington went after him, five catches on eight targets for 86 yards. And Terry McLaurin got him deep on a 50-50 back shoulder ball in that game. So maybe you look at Hollins or Williams, maybe even Big Mike to see if you can try to body him up there with some size at the position. Inside, A.J. Boye is a guy that could see plenty of waddle in that slot position, or Albert Wilson even as well. He plays strictly inside, so the Dolphins might think about operating at a lot of those stacks and bunches and short motions to help create those matchups and get your best on a guy inside there. They are really, really deep here with those guys we mentioned, but they've also got C.J. Henderson and Keith Taylor, who has kind of been supplanted by the return of Gilmore, but they have plenty of guys out wide that can play for them. On the interior, this is where things get pretty tough for this Panthers defense. Like we talked about on the other side of the football, this is a huge matchup. Brian Burns has 33 pressures this year. He has a freaky athletic bend and ability to get around the corner, active hands, a nonstop motor. He's one of the very best in the game. You have to stay out of long down and distances and do not let this guy get one-on-one matchups too frequently. The Patriots played the Browns two weeks ago and they nonstop ran the football at threw screens at, and ran end-arounds in the direction of Miles Garrett. That's the kind of impact Burns can have, and I think you might have to go with something similar. He's the kind of guy that makes you change your plan to account for him because he can wreck any game he plays in. But if you put too much focus on him, Hassan Reddick has been just as good. 31 pressures, 10.5 sacks. Burns has 7. They've combined for 29 QB hits and 22 TFLs, 64 pressures, 17.5 sacks. Absolute game wreckers. That's the biggest challenge for my money. I mean, the tackle position has been a challenge this year for Miami. That's where they're going to line up at. So trying to find a way to help those guys will be key. And that means some one-on-one matchups inside for a guy like Derek Brown, who is pure power. So Miami's going to need Jackson and Hunt to be those big, powerful, nasty dudes they typically are. Austin Ryder as well. They're going to have to be able to withstand the power and bull rush moves that he provides. And don't let him get you out leveraged because he can also win with the explosive first step. This defense is tough. I'm telling you, they're very, very tough. Morgan Fox is a good change of pace guy. He has 16 pressures this year. Daquan Jones has 15 from an interior position. Then there's a bit of a drop-off, but with the way those outside rushers play, Miami needs to be nearly perfect inside to hope to limit the damage those guys do off the edge. Finally, Dolphins running backs versus Panthers linebackers. We end it here with yet another strong unit for the Panthers, and it's led by former UW Husky Shaq Thompson. So maybe he'll be distraught come Sunday from the Huskies' first loss in the Apple Cup since he turned pro. I can dream, right? 
Thompson is superb in coverage. So if you want to throw screens to the back or flex them out, they're going to count on Thompson to take that away. But he also gives them so much flexibility in terms of zone or man rotation. He can get depth and key the quarterback and kind of take away some of those layers and crossers. He's also got a tie for the team lead with two picks. So he's a playmaker. As a team, PFF has them with 94 missed tackles. PFR has it with 89. Both metrics are most in the league. And a big reason why they are 24th against the run in terms of total yards allowed. The Dolphins need to have that balance to keep that pass rush at bay and run the football. Last week was a good look at what I thought was Miles Miles Gaskin's best game of the year. We need more of that. And hopefully Duke can grow into his role because I thought he was good in limited action as well. As far as special teams, they are 20th in DVOA, Miami's 27th. Zane Gonzalez is 19 for 21 this year. His only two misses are 50-plus yard kicks. He also has a 57-yarder. They've hit. They've had three different punters this season, but right now it's Lachlan Edwards who averages 47.9 yards per punt return, so maybe some chances for Waddle and Holland this week. And as a punt returner, Alex Erickson averages 8.3 yards per punt return on 20 returns this season. The Dolphins will win this game if they win the turnover battle, I think it's a big area of emphasis for this game. The Panthers are two and four when they have just one or fewer turnovers and one and five when they are negative in the turnover battle. So that's a big key for Miami here. The Panthers will win if McCaffrey can impact the game as both a runner and a receiver. If he goes off, you have a small chance to find success on defense. And if that happens, I don't like Miami's chances. Three keys, keep an eye on Christian McCaffrey every single snap. They are 27 and 30 with McCaffrey in the lineup, six and 12 without him. Key number two, keep everything in front and prevent explosive plays on defense. They have speed all over the offense. And number three, protect the football. Again, Panthers two for four or two and four rather with one or fewer turnovers this season and one and five when they are negative in the takeaway battle. My week 12 picks, since we are not doing any more shows this week. Last week, 12-3, and you'd love to see it. 108-55-1 on the season, and Turkey Day coming up, the very best day of the year. Give me the Bears over the Lions, the Cowboys over the Raiders, and I'm hoping the Saints can pull it out, but Buffalo over the Saints on Thanksgiving night. Give me Miami over Carolina, Pittsburgh over Cincinnati, getting some revenge there and coming off that tough loss in Los Angeles. I'll take the Bucks over the Colts, as the Colts are one of the hottest teams in the league right now. That's a... Dominant run game against a dominant run defense, but no Vita Vea makes that interesting. I still take the Bucks. I think they're going to hit a run here pretty soon. Titans and Patriots is the toughest one of the week because I think the Patriots can really apply pressure on what's been a bad Titans line this, this, this season. But give me the Titans to win that one and bounce back after a tough loss last week. Give me Philadelphia over the Giants. I'll take Atlanta over the Jaguars. I'm going to take the Jets over the Texans. And Denver over the Chargers, I think Vic Fangio's cover too can maybe give Justin Herbert some problems there. Give me Green Bay over the Rams. That's a tough one to pick there, but I'll take the home team. Give me Minnesota over San Francisco. Hey, Niners, can you stop winning games and help that draft pick out for us? Give me the Ravens over the Browns and the Seahawks over the football team on Monday Night Football. What are you guys having for Thanksgiving? Here's my power rankings of best Thanksgiving foods. Stuffing or dressing, whatever you call it, is number one. I love that stuff. Mashed potatoes, number two. The turkey itself is number three, but it all goes together. You kind of just mix it into a pile like a KFC famous bowl almost and eat like the slobs we all are. And then green bean casserole. And if you don't slather it all in gravy, then it's all for naught. That's it. Enjoy the holiday, everybody. We'll see you back here Sunday night to recap Dolphins and Panthers. I hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving 
uh, and we'll be back on Sunday for you guys. In the meantime, you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins on all social accounts. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Bernie Kosar on Tuesday. You don't want to miss that one. The YouTube channel for all of our media availabilities and Dolphins Today with Joanna Torres, Rachel Smith, and yours truly. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, Finza, Caroline, Daddy, Scott.